Dosri Nune Gor Holodeck Cash. Welcome to the Holodeck is Broken, a Star Trek rewatch podcast. I'm your Captain Laura. I grew up watching most of Star Trek. I'm your first officer, Mac. I've watched way too much Star Trek. I'm Eris, your communications officer, and I've seen some of it. I'm Z, chief security officer, and I have no idea what's going on. Our seven-year mission. To rewatch all of Star Trek from the very beginning. Boldly going where everyone but me has gone before. Hey, everyone. It's your Captain Laura. And I'm your first officer, Mac. Well, it's been a long road. Getting from here to there? Yep. There to here. There to here. There to here. There to here. Um, and it's been a long time. But my time is finally near. Yes. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this week during our medical emergency uh, era here, we will be talking about, if you haven't guessed already, the final series of the Rick Berman era, variously titled Enterprise or Star Trek Enterprise. Really? Yes, for the first two seasons, it was only called Enterprise. Oh. And then somewhere in the middle of season three, it might have been, it was not like a season mark of delineation. It was then mm. called Star Trek Enterprise. Probably sometime around when they futzed with the theme song and made it a little more up tempo. I'm thinking the up tempo version mm. later on is probably when they updated the title, but I'm not 100% sure on that one. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it's a show that clearly was sort of ashamed of being Star Trek there for a little bit. Although it had no reason to be ashamed. Had no reason to be. Well, well. Voyager has every reason to be ashamed, but not this. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. <laughs> then I guess we, we can give our overviews of the series. I think the first note is that you have spent very many diligent hours lately rewatching the entire series over the last couple of weeks. Yes. Mostly because I knew we were going to do this, but also it had been a while since I'd given it a complete run through. So I decided to go ahead and and do that. I've watched them all before, but I, I was struck by how little I remembered of it when I was checking in with you as you were doing your rewatch. Mm. Uh, your general feelings on the show. I'll let you go first. Oh, general feelings. I quite like it. I, I know I might... Being a little bit of a minority there, but overall, it's pretty solid, and it, it only has four seasons. It ends on a high note. Like, its fourth season might be its strongest overall. Year to year, it ends on a high note. Yes, uh, Episode yes. to episode, not so much. We'll right. get to that. But it's, I think it's a solid four seasons, and it, it does hit the ground running in a good way. And even, like, my favorite series is Next Generation. And even Next Generation takes a good couple of seasons to really get, you know, jump-started. Um, Enterprise, I think, hit its hit hit it running much faster than other series for me. I would tend to agree with that. I mean, I, I watched it f- as it was airing fairly regularly during the first season and then lost interest. And I think that can kind of give you an indication of my feelings on the quality as it was airing? As it was oh, airing. Okay. Like, I watched, I want to mm-hmm. say I pretty much watched most of the first season mm-hmm. as it was airing week week to week. And I, then I stopped, but then I came back for season four, and I was watching it every week mm. on season four. I think you hit the nail around the head. I think every Star Trek show, to some degree, needs a, a season or two or three mm-hmm. or eight, in the case of Voyager, <laughs> um, to really find its stride. At least, certainly the modern series, or mm-hmm. the, the 90s series, actually, more appropriately. Yeah. And I think... I think Enterprise hit its stride at the end, and there's two ways to look at that, that it maybe didn't get the opportunity to flourish, 
mm-hmm. or that it had already sunk by the time the fourth season came around and the powers that be, the network, wasn't really trying to make it a show that it wasn't and so that it was just free to be the cool show that it could have and been. And they started to tell better stories. They started to tell better yeah, stories when, yeah. they, when they weren't interested in keeping the audience from mm. America's Next Top Model or WWE Raw or whatever else was airing on UPN at the time. Mm. And yeah, because the, the fourth season is uh, dominated largely by these multi-episode arcs yeah. um, where they can get into some broader scope of things. And yeah. like, you know, there's one about cons, people. The, 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 the augments. The augments, thank you. I was yeah. like, there's an A word I can't find. Um, so there's a whole arc about augments. There's an arc about Klingons. There's 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 enough really yeah. interesting tidbits in there. And there's some deep dives into other aspects of canon that are, that are really cool to see kind of come to fruition. It's just yeah. like they, they really, maybe you're right. Maybe they did feel freer to just start to tell the well, stories they wanted to and maybe not necessarily the stories that the, the network would be like, no, you must do this. Right. I, I had been re- I've been rereading the oral history of the whole Star Trek uh, saga these last couple of weeks and I was just now finishing the, the chapter on Enterprise and that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. They got to the end of season three and the ratings weren't there. Like the show was essentially dead. Mm-hmm. But then they said, okay, we can sell this to syndication better with closer to 100 episodes. Okay, you get 24 more Good luck. We're going to slash your budget. One of the things they'd even talked about doing in season four was a return for Shatner. Huh. It was going to be... The Mirror Universe episode actually mm-hmm. had its roots in a Shatner story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it, Shatner was going to come back. He was going to play Mirror Kirk from Mirror Mirror. Ah. Shuffled off via the Tantalus field to this alternate dimension, which happens to be our past. And so Archer and crew face down Tiberius... The uh, uh, the tyrant of the mere universe. Hmm. The thing that stopped that is Shatner's price was way through the roof, and Paramount was like, they "No, couldn't afford it." <laughs> it wasn't like they even could, they they could theoretically afford it, uh-huh. but Paramount was like, "No, we're not spending money for that. What are you? <laughs> what are you? Simple? No, go make the show, and so we have a few more episodes to sell to, you know, Milwaukee and such, hmm. with a slashed budget." Star Trek season, the original series season three also has a slashed budget and is the quality is noticeably diminished, whereas Enterprise rather miraculously is better. Yeah. In its fourth season. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So overall, I quite like it. Yeah. I would say um, I think the first several seasons get mired in some of Voyager's pedestrian qualities. Uh, the, the wheel spin. There's some good episodes. I like uh, Scott Bakula's Archer. And but but like I think it's either they finally hit their stride and then got got it cut off at exactly the wrong time, or the franchise in that particular iteration was coming to an end, and they were finally free to do the weird show that yeah. we would always have hoped that, that they would have done. And I guess full disclosure, I've also been rewatching Voyager, and in <laughs> some ways, I've been watching it for the first time because I don't think I've ever seen it completely all the way through. You want to um, save some of that for the next episode? I yeah, will. Okay. I only say that to say that since I've been watching these shows concurrently with each other, I see parallels to the stories that they're telling in Voyager and some stories that they tell in Enterprise. And every single time, I think Enterprise told that same story better. And it's also some, some, uh, fair to be said that Enterprise was the second round on some mm-hmm. of those type of stories. So they could make yeah, those improvements. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but 
it's it's not like they were paying some loving homage to what came before. It was a you know what well, we could do that better. <laughs> I I think uh, the the arc they were trying to force on the show originally the temporal cold war was a snooze fest from moment one, and you can tell because season four season four gets great because episode one they're like mm, fuck that shit <laughs> it's over we won. I mean, I don't. I don't think I disliked it as much as all that, but I I can see that it it wasn't. But it all it, yeah, it wasn't the riveting thing, right? That, you know, I mean, yeah. it was it wasn't actively irritating, but it was not mm-hmm. exciting in any. They tried fashion. to do something new, and I do appreciate yeah. that they like weaving in. Um, you know, like uh, the Sulaban was a were original to Enterprise, yeah. right? Okay, so the Sulaban is kind of the big uh, baddie for the first season and a little bit beyond. Um, and so I do like that they've kind of weave, woven that through. You see, um, Silic, is that his mm-hmm. name? The, the head the guy, um, kind of pop up in later seasons. Um, and, uh, I believe at the beginning of season four, um, mm-hmm. he's right there. And so, yeah, so it's some, it's, it's some interesting things. They, they never quite, I think, brought it to its full potential, Right. Yeah. I, I think that's a good thesis statement for the whole show. It never quite mm. reached its full potential. Fourth season started going in some interesting directions, but mm-hmm. the show ended before but, uh, it could really capitalize. But they on. had faith of the heart. Does that is that a segue into the theme song? I, I it might have to be because yeah. I, I'm curious. I mean, I already know, but I right. think our your listeners, our listeners, deserve to hear a little bit on that. So the Before, theme song is unconventional. Yes, it is. Can, can I have one? I want to share one thought about Go the show as a, as a whole Please. and its place in the Star Trek series. Before we get into Faith, Faith of the of Heart, the heart. <laughs> uh, it, it's interesting if you look at. The, the like I keep calling it the Berman era of Star Trek. You got the Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise. Continuous period of eighteen years of production. At the height of it, when Deep Space Nine was running, and it, all throughout Deep Space Nine, two shows were running. It dominated half the Paramount lot. They were releasing a movie every couple of years. It was huge, mm-hmm. huge business for Paramount. By the time Enterprise rolled around, the movies weren't doing so hot. The show's not doing so hot. The network wanted to go in a different direction. The only other thing I can think of that's analogous to that is another TV show, ER. Mm, ER runs 15 years. Now, you can swap out the casts and Mm -hmm. still set it in the same hospital. That's kind of what they did with Star Trek is they swapped out the casts every couple of years. You're still in space. You're You're still still in space. And, you know, just... Sometimes also avoid the Enterprise. (laughs) Right. They didn't keep the Enterprise D. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and make just swap out crew members from that, that show, which, which they could have done. Mm-hmm. But they did it that way, and I would say Enterprise is a pretty solid John Stamos version of Star Trek. Huh, interesting. Yeah. 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 And and I agree with you. I, I do like Captain Archer. I, yeah. I think he's it's a good character. The other characters are also pretty solid. Um they're 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 fleshed out pretty well. Fleshed the, out pretty well. Uh, some of them there's are, a few there, there's a few story arcs that yeah, I wish had gone different. Yeah. yeah. Um I, I think the uh, but you know uh, I would say the only show that didn't have that problem is Deep Space Nine, and we can get into that mm. argument later. Every character on Deep Space Nine works for me, whereas not so much with yeah. every other show. Gotcha. The other thing I would think I should add before we get into the yes. Faith of the Heart, it's it is a little jarring their loose relationship with canon 
We had multiple years where the NCC-1701 was the first starship to bear the name Enterprise. And they come back around. There's this other Enterprise we never heard of that no one's ever mentioned and all this sort of stuff. I think that was thumbing nose at continuity. And the powers that be, Rick Berman and Brandon Brogger, were like, oh, no, we're very concerned with canon. Like, no, you're not. Name the ship something else. If the show had been called, like, Endeavor... Or mm-hmm. Intrepid, or named after one of the other space shuttles. Uh, Columbia was its sister ship. It was the NXO two, so it exactly could have been Columbia. Right. Yeah, right. If it had been named, if the ship had been named anything else, ninety five percent of my problems with canon would have gone mm. out the door. Well, it's almost like you could have brought in. It seems like they were trying to bring in maybe the crowd that like here's the name Enterprise. Goes, right. oh yes, I I want to tune in for that. Um, but you maybe didn't have to. No. Uh, the non-Star Trek crowd was not interested in watching Star Trek, so mm-hmm. make a Star Trek show for Star Trek fans. Hmm. So, so, the theme song. <laughs> it's not a Jerry Goldsmith jam. Right, right. But I, again, Deep Space Nine didn't have a Jerry Goldsmith theme. I, I keep saying, and again, I, I'm sorry if I hate Voyager a lot. You That may turn a few people off, but... If you, you, you took you have no Voyager's pro- theme song and stuck it onto Star Trek Enterprise, instantly better. Instantly better. And just not made Voyager, you know. <laughs> right. You would have you have no problem with people who like Voyager. No, 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 not at all. I, you, I it's it's not for me. Right. And on this honest rewatch that I am giving it right now, it is continuously not for me. Right. We'll get into that in future episodes. Next episode, yeah. You know, it's it's a different tack to do a Diane Warren song. Yes. And for those who don't know, Diane Warren wrote just lots of great tons songs. Of I can't songs think of any of them. Off it, top I of my know. Head. Yeah. I, I should have looked it up. Yeah. But like she wrote lots of songs that you probably recognize from like films and TV yeah. shows and things like that. Um, in fact, this song itself, I didn't even know this. We'll get, we'll get to that. Okay. Because that's that's my big problem with it. Okay. Well, why not bring it up now? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. So this song was in the credits. You said I haven't actually it's the paid attention to it. End but the, credits of the, the 1998. I think that's right. 1998. Robin Williams film Patch Adams. It's yes, you heard sung me right. by Rod Stewart in that version, and that would not have made things better. That, no, that yeah. version's actually awful. If you look it up, it's <laughs> terrible. They're all awful. No, no, no. This one is fine. Okay, I don't hate the theme song the way this one does. The way this one does. <laughs> I speak for the. I speak for the trees. I am the Lorax in this particular situation. You probably are. I understand. I am in an extreme minority here. I don't hate the theme song. They do futz with it in like the third season, I think, where they start to make it up-tempo and it's a little jauntier and I'm like, ugh, fine. It's somehow worse. (laughs) It's somehow worse. Because it's it's cornier and cheesier. It's almost love boat, Ian. Yeah. It's sung by a different person and I like this guy's voice a lot different than uh, Rod Stewart's. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I I like the way he does it better it's a very cheesy song i will recognize that i will shout that from the rooftops no problem it's a cheesy ass song however and it's i kind of like it and i will go around the house just belting it out for my husband because he yeah, loves will. it ever so much she so does. i will just sing you know faith yeah. of the heart and right. then you know make jokes that every episode should be named faith of the blank that would have been good the yeah. way uh, the friends yeah. episodes were all named the one with, with yeah, or whatever yeah. yeah i think that's my big prop is the robin williams origin <laughs> 
It, but it, you didn't even a, know about that till recently. No, I knew that years ago. Oh, okay. I, it, there's another piece of trivia that I just learned today. That I, I'm going to drop Please on you here in share. a second. I, but the, the, the argument I'd make there is that Star Trek really should not have table scraps. I, I would agree with that. And yeah. actually, and it, it wasn't until the... I think the very last episode, the closing credits. The closing credits have always been like a, a an instrumental version yeah. of of that song. Yeah. And actually, if, if that's all they had kept, I think it would be totally fine with the instrumental version. And yeah. the closing credits of the final episode was actually a pretty good instrumentation of it overall. Mm-hmm. It incorporated bits of the old theme song uh, yeah. from the original series. Um, and so I feel like if they had done something like that the entire time, maybe it would have been elevated a little bit. It could have been still Faith of the Heart, but just like an instrumental version that everyone was like, oh, I had no idea it had cheesy lyrics, kind of the way no one knows that the the original original series series has really cheesy lyrics to it. You found the one positive quality of the final episode. Good for you. Aw, thanks. Here's the piece of trivia that I I found today in my reread of the oral history that I had forgotten. Yes, yes. They had another song in mind. Ooh. U2's Beautiful Day. Hmm, I feel like no, that's that doesn't fit. Well, sure. It would it would fit just as poorly as this song. I no, I think it'd be worse. No. But <laughs> they went to Paramount and they were real excited, like, hey, watch our credits with the uh, with Beautiful Day on there. And Paramount says, Oh great, how much is Beautiful Day? Get out. They they could have they they could have found somebody to write a song. Somebody they Yeah. Found. Was Jerry Goldsmith around? Like he was at toward the end of his life. He was mm. he did the score for Nemesis around the time of Enterprise season one, and that was one of his last scores. Mm. We are at our fifteen minute. Do we want to go ahead and jump to the uh, commercial break and yeah. we'll come back? We'll come back. We'll talk about our top five favorite episodes, and then we may talk talk about our see if we can pick out one least favorite episode of the whole series. Oh, see if we can? Oh, yeah. I, I think you already have one in mind. I have your a couple eyes, in Your mind. eyes are sparkling with possibilities. I do. I do. <laughs> uh, so we'll go to a commercial break and we'll come right back. We didn't really leave, so here's the commercial break. <laughs> uh, both of the current running uh, Party Now Apocalypse Later podcasts are still running in sort of off-format versions. You're listening now to The Holodeck is Broken. Z and Eris are still producing uh, episodes of As the Myth Turns. They air on our off weeks. Fourth Wall is there. That, that's completed its run at partyapocalypse.com. Uh, along with my books and blog and movie reviews and all that sort of stuff. Beyond that, I'd say uh, we're still quarantined. Now yep. we're sort of self-quarantined because Oklahoma's technically reopened, right. or it's—I think the final phase is June first. Right. And you know, so I'm waiting for the inevitable spike in cases yeah. after that. Or somebody's going to shoot a Klingon with a plasma rifle. Eh? The show we're talking about, Enterprise. Yeah. The opening episode. The only time that Klingon, the only time the Oklahoma scene in the future of Star oh, Trek. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Sorry, I was not following you there. Yeah. I, I sometimes your brain goes places that I can't follow. I know, <laughs> I know. So uh, listen to scientists. Uh, wear masks if you have to go out. You know what? If you don't wear a mask, I you, you're not invited to my birthday party. That's it. That's <gasps> the end. Tragic. Yeah, that's. I didn't want to have to do that, but yeah. Mm. Some people are acting foolish. So back to the episode. (laughs) Alrighty. So we have our top five episodes. 
I'd be interested to hear what your least... You want to start with least favorite episode? Um, just a, we don't even have to get into it, just a, a label. I'm not even sure I've really thought about it that hard. Yeah. Um, but you have a least favorite episode, so why don't we start there? Uh, the last episode, I think, is is sort of boneheaded in almost every regard. Uh, these are the voyages. It's fun in the sense that, oh, it's almost like a new Next Generation episode they found, Mm -hmm. but it's actually interstitial material from a very obscure Next Generation episode. And it's a very abrupt end to the show. Um, There's some weird character stuff happening in there where you can tell they just wrote that real quickly and just like, get it on the page, get it out there. There's You've got characters doing things that they wouldn't have done. I think my biggest complaint there is is the way Tripp's arc ended quite abruptly. Yeah, it's just, it's a weird... It's a, it is a weird end to an otherwise like really good season. Yeah, it's it's a it's definitely a weak point and for a, that season. And a weird season. end for the show. Yeah. Like overall, it would be fine, but like yeah, there's parts in there that aren't that aren't great. Yeah, I think the the twenty fourth century storyline with Riker uh, mulling over revealing the nature of the USS Pegasus to Captain Picard doesn't quite match up with the storyline that Archer and uh, Tripp are having. Not to mention that he's, like, way older than he was in that episode. (laughs) Both Riker and Troy, ten years have passed, and they they look fine, but they look like ten years have passed. Right, exactly. Now, if you're interested in an alternate take on that episode, I think my blog uh, happened upon uh, an abandoned draft of the episode. That the 24th century storyline took place on the Titan, uh, Riker's ship that he went to after Star Trek Nemesis. It was essentially, 10 years older Riker is actually 10 years older. I populated the, or th- this draft populated the... Uh, the uh, I think the jig is up, sir. Yeah, it is. Yeah, populated the, uh, the Titan with uh, crew members from all the various shows, I think. I had Tuvok on there, I had Esri Dax and Bashir and... Uh, so their intended statement that it was a finale of this era of Star Trek, I don't think it ever worked on any level on that. And I tried to boost up the, uh, the intention there mm-hmm. a little bit. So yep. what's your, what's your call for least favorite episode? I don't know. Maybe that one. Yeah. I can't, I can't think of another one. There wasn't a, an episode where I'm watching it going, oh my God, is this going to be over soon? Ultimately, I think that's good. Yes, I agree. <laughs> My top five episodes, and I've narrowed this down um, considerably. Something I found about myself through this process is I tend to like sort of uh, one-off episodes that aren't necessarily part of a larger arc. Um, Now, that's not to say that there aren't great episodes that exist within those bigger arcs. Uh, Like I said, season four does have quite a few multi-episode arcs, but I actually did not include any of those episodes in my top five list. My top five has one season four episode. And it was just picking one from the arc I liked the most. Gotcha. So this isn't to say that I don't like other episodes, um, but these are the five that I chose. They're not in any particular order, so I think the order I will go in is actually in season order. The first episode that I think that I really, really like is episode season one, episode 18, entitled Acquisition. It is the first episode in which they encounter the Ferengi. I think it's three or four. Oh, and it, the, the, the people playing the Ferengi are like guest stars you will recognize from other Star Trek things in addition to just other things in general. Like I think Ron Howard's brother is one of them. Uh, yeah. Uh, Clint Howard, uh, Ethan Phillips, mm-hmm. Neelix fame. Mm-hmm. 
And the the guy who plays Wayun, I believe, is one of them. I don't think that's right. I can't remember. Because it was not people that would who would have been playing Ferengi on Deep Space Nine, and uh, Jeffrey Coombs played Brunt in Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. So I'm I would say probably not. Okay, but well, I, it could be. there at least three out of the four of them are people you will recognize from other things, um, and so there's lots of guest stars going on here. What I like about it, and something I think to uh, Archer's credit, is he clues in right away on how he can kind of befriend one of the Ferengi and also turn them against each other, so he can get control of his ship back. So I he's probably the one captain who's like clued into what makes Ferengi tick the fastest, and I think that was kind of fun to watch. The next episode I chose was season two, episode two, entitled Carbon Creek. And this one, T'Pol tells us the story of one of her ancestors that crash landed on Earth long before Vulcans were known to have visited Earth. And they lived in a town called Carbon Creek for a little while amongst the people. And um, it's just, it's it's a really nice isolated story that doesn't rely on any other parts for it to to be entertaining it's just kind of neat to see i think it's like three or four vulcans on earth trying to blend in for a little while um, until they get rescue because they've crashed next i chose season three episode eight entitled twilight Um, And this is one that um, it's a little all good things uh, esque in there. Um, Basically, Archer's been hit by a spatial anomaly and has some kind of lingering brain damage. Um, and he can't form short-term memories. Um, there is an aspect in there of that once they find a cure for it in the future of of the the future, of Jonathan Archer, so it's it you know jumps ahead in his timeline a little bit. Once they find a cure for him, it it erases the problem much further back. Um, so his earlier scans also showed the cure, um, and so he that's how they're able to kind of just jump right back to <laughs> the uh, the episode. But it deepens him and to Paul and their relationship. She's basically looked after him this entire time and very patiently explained every single day in a very fifty first dates kind of way. Here's what's happened to you, and you know things like that. And so it was just something that I enjoyed. The next episode I chose was season three episode. 16 entitled Doctor's Orders. In this one, the crew is passing through a region of space and I forget there's something about this region of space that's going to like really mess with everybody's uh, minds. So basically Phlox has to put them all to sleep. Um, He's immune so he can hang out and you know watch over everybody. He's watching over Porthos, the archer's dog as well. It's just supposed to be for a few days but he's also seen a lot of horror movies lately aboard the ship and is starting to get a little twitchy. Paul is also awake and she's helping him out and you know he's kind of going a little crazy in this and it's it's really it, I love the flock centric episodes overall um and what I love about this and spoilers you know in case you care is that he is at the very end he's waking up the crew members after this whole ordeal that he went through and to Paul is walking with him and he walks into to Paul's quarters and discovers she's been asleep the entire time. So he, she was a figment of his imagination that was helping to keep him uh, pretty sane throughout the 
throughout the episode. And the last one I chose, it was interesting that I chose this. It kind of surprised me a little bit, but um, it was season four, episode three, entitled Home. And this is the episode that you really never get to see in Star Trek, which is why I liked it so much. It is the episode after a big battle. They've saved Earth. Everything's kind of going back to, to normal. The heroes are returning to Earth and finding that they don't really like being heroes. There's a lot of stuff happening on Earth. There's starting to be a very anti-alien sentiment that starts to grow and that's going to grow and grow throughout that season. But you start to see the, the, the heroes really wrestling with that and not really sure what to do with their lives after this. And, and, and Archer's really wrestling with a lot of really questionable choices he made in the previous season. And, you know, how can he go on being a moral person in this universe? Mac is looking at me like I'm nuts, so I'm going to let him talk. The Next Generation did an episode like that. When? Family, right after The Best of Both Worlds. Where Picard's hanging out in the vineyard and he's having... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, I, the later points you made were fine, but the, the mm. notion that this is not an episode you ever see, I was like... Um. But that one's mostly Picard-centric. Worf, too, because his mm. adoptive parents show up and... Gotcha. Yeah. But this one, you also get to see the way everyone else is hailing them as heroes yeah. and how, you know, a lot of them are just like, I just... I don't want to do this. And, you know, people are treating Phlox inappropriately because there's this anti-alien sentiment happening and he just wants to go hang out at a restaurant on Earth and, you don't know, be friendly. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, people start to give him the business. So uh, it was it was an episode that I, I liked yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, so good. those are my five. My five, uh, different, but I, I would co-sign on any of those episodes. They, those, those were all... Pretty decent, uh, I would say. I, I did note that you did not pick... Uh, what's the one where you got pregnant? Um, I, unexpected. unexpected. Yeah, no. It was I, on your list, but it was on it your was, final list. It was. I bumped it off. So I think it, I talked you a, out of it. It's a it's an honorable mention. It's yeah. actually quite fun. Trip goes to an alien ship to help them out, and he meets this girl over there. And in true Riker fashion, they they hook up, but not even like that. It was like her their mating practices are much different. So he didn't even know he was hooking up with this girl. He was more like until a he goes. He, he wasn't impregnated. He, he was, was. He was impregnated with, with um, something with his DNA as well. Yes. So okay. he I, has I, this I, alien I, baby I out there. Well, no, because I actually. No, you might be right. It might be that it's just the mother's DNA, but he's carrying it yes, within he's carrying him. It, but and it he, wasn't his. yeah. But but basically, he didn't know that until he starts to get pregnant, and right. you know, it's weird body changes start happening. He's like, "What's going on?" I and this is also this this alien race has uh, holodeck technology, and so that's really fun for them to get to see that for the first time. Mac disagrees with me, yeah. and it's fine. Yeah. But. <laughs> My favorite. You can tell how how fine it actually is. My favorite was. thing is there's also Klingons involved, and I forget how they they come aboard the ship too, and um, to see this this holodeck, they input you know Kronos into this so they can kind of see their home planet on this alien ship. And there's one Kling, Klingon standing up. They're they're looking at this this beautiful landscape of Kronos, and <laughs> one of the Klingons is like, "I can see my house from here." I. 
It's a charming yeah. episode, and it is it's yeah. it's quite good. But ultimately, it didn't make my top five. Uh, the, the series was because like Voyager went back to the holodeck well a bit too much. Yeah. So they 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 came. At, they oh Enterprise, we're not going to do any holodeck shows. Mm. Took them six episodes to come <laughs> back to the holodeck. And uh, the problem I have with that one is all the other Starfleet crew. Four four episodes. Four episodes. This okay. was the fourth episode. Okay. <laughs> Case in point, they come back around, and whenever you see the Starfleet crew talking about this new this technology that these people had, they say, "Oh gosh, I can't imagine what we'd do if we had that technology." I'm like, "Yes, I get it. You all had it." <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Anyways, what's your top five? Yeah, uh, <laughs> my top five. I'll give in no particular order. I also picked Acquisition. I think this one was more successful than uh, Regeneration, uh, which have similar ideas, bringing a 24th century alien onto this 22nd century concept but at the end getting it to the point where they don't have enough information to say that this is actually the proper first contact the borg one regeneration like they pretty much come to the conclusion like oh yeah these these guys are coming back in like 200 years well not much we can do about it then because we'll all be dead (laughs) uh whereas uh acquisition is i think a lot funnier uh, mm-hmm. And it does believably get to that point where, oh, we never caught their name. Oh, it'll never come up again. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Ferengi are Deep Space Nine, Deep Space Nine's guys. Mm-hmm. So any revisit with them is good because I'm a, I'm a Niner. And they have some good good yeah. actors yes. coming in to play Ferengi. And, yeah, absolutely. You know, they're, they're not boring. Also in, uh, see, was Acquisition in season one or was it in season two? It was season... One. Season one. Four out of my five are season one, which I was, uh, I'm surprised fascinating by. fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the others are uh, Shadows of Pajem and the Andorian Incident are very related, but that's uh, tying into Shran, as played by Jeffrey Combs, another mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine MVP. Niners. That's what we call ourselves, Niners. Really? Okay. Yeah. Never heard that until just now, but yeah. all right. <laughs> um... I think the the ongoing plot lines of the Andorians were good. I think that's when it really started to reach for the big part of its premise of being the formation of the Federation and that sort of thing because they were a key part of that throughout the entire show. Yeah, anytime Shran shows up, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, it's it, you know it's going to be entertaining and yep. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The only from one from episode uh, from season four that I picked was the augments. I, I liked the uh, the augments storyline with. Brent Spiner is a Sung ancestor mm-hmm. who's more into uh, genetic engineering than cybernetics at mm-hmm. that point in time. Until the very end, when he's they like, put him back into into yeah. his prison cell, and he's like, "You know, yeah. I've been thinking maybe I should go into cybernetics." Yeah. And he's like, "You know, of course it could take a few generations." I think that whole arc <laughs> has uh, a lot of great little nods to canon, but is a pretty good, solid action story throughout. Uh, they talk about the Botany Bay, and mm-hmm. uh, they even talk about the Briar Patch. A little love for insurrection it isn't uh, is something that we could all use. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then the Soongs, and obviously, and and all that. It's, it, I'd say it was probably my favorite uh, plotline. I mean, the the Mirror Universe two parter was pretty good, mm-hmm. but I'd say I'd put this one just ever so slightly ahead. And then my fifth one is the pilot. I think the pilot for this show slaps. It's good. Uh, I think, uh, like we talked about, the only canon appearance of the the great state of Oklahoma in in the Star Trek universe. Mm -hmm. And we fucked up 
Federation Klingon relations for a hundred years. For those who don't know, Broken Bow is a town in Oklahoma, and it, the episode is named that because a Klingon and some Suliban land there, yeah. and fights ensue, and a farmer shoots yes. the Klingon. Yeah, because of course he does. Of course, yeah, he it's, was probably on his land. It's also called Broken Bow because Archer. Really? Yeah. That was eh. an interview. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That ruined it. It did a little bit. And and yeah, Brandon Braga, it was in an interview once and said, yeah, he was aware of Broken Arrow as a town in Oklahoma, but he did. It, he thought, oh, that's not Broken Bow's not a real town. And then they told him, yeah, yes, it is. Yeah. And he's, yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think no, the the pilot's good. The concept's good. I I, I wish they kept up that energy uh, a bit longer. Uh, but Broken Bow, I think. Uh, works as a solid little movie. Um, was it a two-parter? It was a two-hour one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was just an extended length. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and so those are our top five. I think we talked about our worst. We talked about, anything else we want to talk about Enterprise related? I think it's a good show. And I, I know that I'm a... I, I, I probably sound like it's some sort of raving optimist um, mm-hmm. here. But I, I like it quite a bit. I I like it better than Voyager, and I like Voyager better than you do. You do, you yes. do. Yes, yeah. I'm at least more tolerant of Voyager. Mm. Uh, I don't like it as much as Next Gen or Deep Space Nine, but that's not correct. Wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I do think that the there was the gas was kind of running out of the tank mm-hmm. at a certain point, but then they they rallied, but. It was a little too little, too late. It's a show that I think deserved more love than it got. Yes, and. That's unfortunate. Yeah. But they had a good 18-year run nonstop from oh. next gen, to, like the ER analogy that I was mm, using. Mm, I mean, yes, not yes. everything can go forever. That's true. So, uh, good on them, yeah. I say. Uh, yep. Next week, we will uh, jump aboard the USS Voyager and uh, wallow in existential dread in the Delta Quadrant for what seems like The forever. real test is to see if I can finish four more seasons of this show <laughs> in the next two weeks without just going bananas. Which tells you a little bit about Laura's <laughs> viewpoints of Voyager, I think. We'll get into that in more detail. We'll... So will I finish it? Will I not? Stay tuned. We're, we're a little bit into season four, mm-hmm. and I think we both have the same candidate for worst episode. Probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> it took me a second, but yep, I'm yep. with you now. <laughs> um, and then, as I've been watching it, there are episodes that I thought I liked that I, that turned out not to be as good. Because they're all awful. Not all. <laughs> they're not all awful. It's a good cast. Picardo's good. Mulgrew yes, yes. is good. Yes, They don't give her enough good things to do, though. You know, they the, they the, have not written her character as well as they should have. We'll get into that. Yeah, we will. Sorry, so, we're jumping ahead. Uh, we'll see you then. And in the meantime, wear a goddamn mask or you're not please, coming to my birthday party. Please just wear it. No birthday party for you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.